Welcome back to the Mavs Outsider Podcast with your host, Dustin. I'm doing my post-free agency pod for uh, the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, we'll get into that along with uh, what's going on with uh, Team Slovenia So uh, and a few other things around the NBA. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the Mavs free agency. Um, kind of a uh, quiet night. Um, if you consider what uh, we were kind of sold um, as far as, you know, one of the things Cuban talked about during the uh, offseason was getting help for Luca, And it made people think that he was actually going to go and try and do something. And what ended up happening was... The Mavericks basically signed, re-signed Tim Hardaway Jr. They re-signed Boban and they signed uh, Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. Um, as far as the two guys go that they signed, Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown, they're both decent players. They're both decent shooter. Well, Bullock's a fantastic shooter. Um, he's probably the basically the prize of their free agency at this point. Um, this is a Wednesday, August 4th, around 1 p.m. Central Standard Time here in Texas. But uh, as of now, he's the big free agent get for Dallas. Um, so my thoughts on the free agency period for the Mavericks is I, I want to give their basically their free agency a C-, minus, maybe a D. I like the addition of Bullock, and I like the addition of Brown. And in my opinion, if if they knew they had those moves, I, I felt they should have passed on re-signing Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I think you can get everything out of Bullock that you got out of Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I, I think he's good enough, or as good as Tim Hardaway Jr. I like Tim Hardaway Jr. I do, but Tim Hardaway Jr. is, for one, he's very streaky. I've talked about it several times on my pod. He's very streaky. We saw it in the playoffs. When Tim Hardaway was on, the Mavs won. When Tim Hardaway was off, the Mavs lost. It was that easy. Um, Reggie Bullock, he's not that player. He's more of a consistent player. Um, he's probably a better defender than Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. is not a defender. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. is basically a catch-and-shoot guy. In the playoffs, I did notice he took the ball to the rim a little more than he usually did, especially in the regular season. But still, it, it's he's still basically just a catch-and-shoot guy that you just paid $18 million for when you got one who is a better catch-and-shoot for 10 So... You know, I know a lot of people wanted Tim Hardaway back, and I get it. But it, like I said, I, I feel like if they, if I'd have known they were going to re-sign Brown and Bullock, or sign Brown and sign Bullock, I, I would have let Tim Hardaway go, and I would have tried to bring in a playmaking player. Dallas still doesn't have a playmaker on this team other than Luka, and you you will not win a playoffs. You won't win the finals like that. You just won't. Yes, you may, you may catch fire and win a playoff series. You know, 
they're basically building the Houston Rockets for the last few years, where you had James Harden handling the ball, and you just had five shooters out there. And that's just the, that's what they're building. I, I don't like that offense. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I just don't like that offense. It's a bad offense because you're living and dying by the three. If you're hot, you'll win. If you're not, you go for 27 in an important game, and you lose the series. So it's, it's, it's not the route I liked. Obviously, everybody has their own opinions. Um, there's some people that do did want Tim Hardaway back. There's some people who like what they did. Obviously, there's a lot of Mavs media people who are spinning it positively because that's what Cuban wants. If you want to keep your press pass, you have to spin positive stuff. If you're writing for the Mavs, you can't you can't write negative stuff. So you're obviously going to see this positive spinning from the Mavs media people. Um, I. I did see that there was talk about trading for Goran Dragic from Toronto. Now, from what I understand, what they I've heard is that the Mavs aren't too big on the $19 million that Dragic has basically signed for. Um, so, I don't know if Mavs are going to make a trade with them. For Dragic, from what I understand, they Mavericks love Powell, and they just don't want to get rid of Powell. That's the rumor that they think Powell is an important piece to this team. Uh, he's well-liked, and that they don't want to trade him. And Powell, with any trade at this point, if the Mavs are going to make any trade, Powell has to be in it, unless they're going to trade Porzingis. Um I, that's basically, I mean, that's it because they don't really don't have any, they don't have much money tied up in the other guys. You know, Maxi makes a decent amount, but he doesn't make a lot. Maxi's actually probably overplay pays this. So is Dorian Finney-Smith. Both guys overplay their contract. Powell's the one guy who makes a lot, who probably could be moved, and you could get something back now. I would rather see the Mavs wait on Drogic being bought out. I think that Toronto will buy out Drogic. I think they're trying to get something. They're trying to kind of hold out to see if there's somebody out there willing to give something for Drogic. And if everybody says no, then eventually he'll be bought out, and that's when... You know, Dallas can swoop in and get him. Um, I would like to see the Mavs move Powell. And even Collie Stein, you know, he's another guy that can be moved. And I would like to see them put together something for Lowry Marketing. Um, at this point, the Mavs just have to do something to upgrade the roster. And I think Marketing is an upgrade, although Marketing's always hurt. Now... Dallas's training staff has a reputation of basically being the best training staff in the league. So maybe that's something to help him out and, you know, keep him healthy. But, you know, people talk about Markinen's defense. You know, he's not a great defender. But, I, you know, 
obviously, the way the league is set up today, playing defense is very difficult. The Mavs tend to play a team defense anyways, and the the league doesn't allow you to play very hard. They they give a few guys some leeway. If you've got a reputation as a defender, they allow you to drape on guys, right? You can drape on a player if you've got the reputation of a good defender. If you don't have a reputation as a good defender and you're just a guy like Luka, if you're just Luka, you're going to get called for fouls regardless of if it's a foul or not a foul. You know, you're if it appears to be a foul, even though they might give it to another guy, you know, let the other guy play on because he's got the reputation, they're not going to give it to you. And so the way you play defense has to be different. Um, I would like to see Markkinen on this team. Markkinen is a guy who can score the ball in more than one way. Um, Dallas doesn't have too many guys like that. Dallas is very limited on how players can score. Uh, Jalen Brunson is a guy who had the ability to get to the rim and you know get some layups, but Jalen Brunson doesn't look to make his teammates better. And that is a problem, I think. Um, obviously, everybody loves Jalen Brunson, but I do think he still has some work to do in making, you know, and improving his game. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't do anything to make his teammates better, then you've kind of you've just got a guy who's coming off the bench to score, and he's not a great scorer. He's just a good scorer. And so, I, I would like to see. You know, hopefully Jason Kidd, and even if, I don't know if the rumors about J.J. Barea coming in and coaching are true, but if it is, if J.J. Barea does come in and he is a coach, that's something that I think Brunson needs to learn, you know, is how, how to include your teammates, because Brunson is worse than Luca when it comes to, you know, like, because sometimes Luca can get into these, Rhythms where he he's dribbling the ball a lot, and the the you know it'll get down to four seconds in the shot clock, and then he passes. Which, you know, hopefully that's something that will change in the offense that's run. Dallas did a lot of half court sets last year, and I'm hoping with the new coaching, the new offense, there's it's a lot different. But Brunson's real bad about just dribbling the ball. And not looking to see if anybody's open. Just going to the rim and laying it up. So that's the only other player on Dallas who can score in more than one way. Because Brunson has improved his shooting. He is a better. He was a better three-point shooter last year. So other than that, Tim Hardaway, most of his shots, like, Probably 90% of his is just catch and shoot. You know, that's what Bullock's going to do. That's what Brown's going to do. Porzingis is a guy who they would like to be able to score the ball in more than one way, but I haven't seen it lately. Maybe that's something that changes again with the new offense. You know, Porzingis learns to score in more than one way, and that would be great. But, you know, Powell scores only in one way. Uh, heck, even. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is just a catch-and-shoot. When Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi, when they put the ball on the ground, there's a 75% chance there's going to be a turnover because they have decision-making problems. You know, they don't When they get the ball on the floor and they're confronted at the rim, 
they tend to either throw it away or take a bad shot or whatever. You know, there is that 25% chance that they're going to score a basket, and those look great. But, you know, those are shown on the highlight reels. The problem is, is all the ones that they turn over when they try and put the ball on the ground are kind of left out of the highlight reels. So I would I, – I just – Dallas – needs to bring in another guy who can score the ball in more than one way because, you know, during the regular season you can get away with it. You know, I've put together my um, uh, rough draft, I should say, of my predictions for next year. Um, I'll give them to you here in a minute, but I've put together a rough draft, and right now, you know, I've got Dallas doing – pretty good because I think the way their offense is set up, they're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. The problem is is the way their offense is set up, or their team is set up for that matter, they won't win very much in the playoffs because if you have players that are one-dimensional, all they can do is shoot the ball. Well, all the defenses will do is they'll they'll concentrate on taking away those shots. And then what do you do? You know, then you've got a backcourt of Brunson and Richardson, you know, killing the Mavs when Luca goes out of the game. You know, and all of a sudden Luca's got to play, you know, forty-five minutes of basketball to keep his team afloat because he's the only one who can create shots for himself and others. So, um, like I said, if I were Dallas, I would use Powell for. Um, or just even if you have to make a three-way trade, I would use Powell to get Lowry marketing. Um, and then I, I think you would be able to get Drogic by February. I think February comes along, you'll get Drogic. He'll improve your team. And then you just go into the playoffs hoping you hit some shots. So... Um, So other than other than marketing and Dragic, I, I just I don't see a path towards anyone else unless something falls through with Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie on this team would be fantastic. Um, I know he's coming off of an ACL injury, but I, to me with you know, the modern technology and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't worry about stuff like that. I, I think Spencer Dinwiddie would do just fine on the Mavs. And he would bring in a, you know, a guy who can score in many different ways, more than just one. And I, I think he could fit on this team playing next to Luka. I think it would work. Um, I think he'd take a lot of pressure off Luka handling the ball. So... But from what I understand, the Washington Wizards have him. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on with Washington right now. I, you know, I was reading Twitter, and there's this Bradley Bill's wife made a comment, and Bradley Bill put an emoji, and you get all this crazy, you know, non-substance, and you know, tweets with no substance attract a lot of attention type deal. Um, so that's why you know when I put together my, you know top eight teams basically to eight to ten i actually included the two play in because they are going to do the tournament again next year so when i put that together I, I made it a rough draft because i didn't want it to be permanent because i do include the wizards 
in the Eastern Conference. And if something were to happen with Bill or Dinwiddie, then that probably changes. So, like I said, this is kind of a rough, rough draft of um, what I, you know, feel like this is going to go through the next season. And uh, so. Before I get into that, I wanted to pivot real quick to the Slovenia game, um, you know, because this, you know, like I said, since it is a Mavs pod, you know, Luca does play for the Mavs, and we'll pivot to that real quick before we get into my predictions. So, Slovenia plays France tomorrow morning for my time, uh, 6 a.m., and I obviously am going to get up and watch it. I've watched all the other games. Um... I do think it's going to be a really good game. Um, I, I do think it'll be the hardest game that Slovenia's played. Uh, you know, Spain was tough. Uh, I, I, you know, they say that France's defense is better than Spain's, so we will have to see. Um, you know, France has good players, but one thing that I, I hope to see with Slovenia is. Uh, the shooting, uh, you know, the shooting at the the beginning or the first half, I should say, of the Spanish game was a little off. You know, they were cold. Luca was getting them. You know, they were they were doubling. Um, they were doubling Luca in that Spanish game, and I felt like when Luca was finding the open guys. There were a lot of misses, and I, I hope that they can do that. Now, against Germany, uh, Slovenia did beat Germany, but I honestly, I didn't think that was going to be a tough game, and it showed to really, Germany did keep it close. There was a couple guys that couldn't miss for Germany on their threes, and that's what basically kept Germany in the game, but eventually Slovenia kind of put a stop to that and kind of ran away with it. Um, I fully expected Slovenia to win that game. So I kind of am comparing what France is going to give them against what Spain did because, you know, to me, Spain is better a better team than Germany. So when I, when I look at what France might do, France might do the same thing where they double and triple Luka and make the other guys beat them. Now I hope Dragic continues to shoot the way he did. And you know what, Dragic is a guy who could play in the NBA. He has before. I think he had a short stint. But Dragic is a guy, uh, Zoran, he could play in the NBA. I, I think one reason he chooses not to is because he probably wouldn't be a starter. Um, I don't know how much playing time a team would give him, but uh, he probably wouldn't be a starter, and I think he wants to be somewhere where he can play a lot and that's probably one of the reasons he chose to you know stay in Europe so and I'm just speculating you know obviously but you know watching Zoran Dragic play he's a really good player um, for this next game I really do wish that uh, Goran would have played with Slovenia because I feel like they could really use him against a team like France so I'm interested to see how it goes. I I do think Slovenia can win if they hit their shots because they do have some really good shooters. 
But the one thing that I, I just, I, I don't know how, what kind of, you know, defense you're going to get against uh, the big guy for France, like Rudy Gobert. So, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to predict a winner or loser, but... Because my gut kind of tells me that France will probably win this basketball game. Um, France is a really good team. They have some really good players. But I think Slovenia is a really good team with some really good shooters. And if Luka can find a way to get some shots and make them, you know, if Luka can figure out a way to score 30-plus, I think they have just as good a chance as any to, you know, make it to that gold medal game. So we will see. I'm excited to see it tomorrow morning. And uh, hopefully, you know, obviously we're all going to be rooting for Luca and him to win. Um, if you're a Mavs fan, you're rooting for, you know, Slovenia. And in all honesty, I, I think that even if Slovenia plays USA, just based on the way USA basketball has been, where it's not like, like I, I root for the USA team against everyone, except when they played Dirk and Germany. You know, it's like, and that didn't happen very often. I, I probably once or twice, obviously. But I, you know, I like to root for my Mavs players in. Um, in these international competitions because obviously the USA team has won a lot and they'll probably win it again, but it's fun to root for, you know, your favorite player. Um, you know, when it comes to these sports, these international competitions like this and the Olympics, I, I'm not one of those. I root for the USA all the time. I just want to see a good, a good race, a good competition. I've been watching just strange sports, badminton, you know, stuff you don't see every day here in America. So I just watch it to watch it. Who cares who wins? But when I'm watching somebody I want to see in Luca, I'm rooting for Luca to win. And I don't think it's bad to root for Luca over the United States. It's not. Like I said, the United States has had plenty of success in basketball. They don't need you know, people, you know, going against their favorite players just to, you know, it's like, I, I just don't, I'm not buying into that. So I, if, if Slovenia does somehow beat France and they face USA in the gold medal game, obviously I'm going to root for Luca. I'm obviously going to root for that because I think Luca winning would be the tallest task you could ask from anyone. You know, I, it's, Kind of going into our, you know, next conversation, you know, the USA team is a lot like these super teams that are being put together right now. You know, the Lakers putting together a super team. The Nets are putting together a super team. The Warriors are trying. They've done a really good job in their offseason. But basically it's the Nets and the Lakers have their super teams and the USA team is kind of like a super team. And so you kind of like to root for the underdog, especially one who's only got the one, you know, all-star on their team. I, I, I realize there's another NBA player there on their team. 
Um, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how it goes. So, um, on to my predictions for the upcoming season. Now, like I was saying, the, the way I see it, free agency is not over. So what I think is, I, 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 when I put these together, I'm putting these together not knowing a couple, uh, you know, players in the uh, free agency. You know, like I said, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, there's still question about what's going on there. Um, I don't think Bradley Bill will be moved. I do think that... Um, I do think that Kawhi will be back with the Clippers, but he's not going to play next year, and that's also going to affect what I've got. So, basically the order that I have for this next year so far, like I said, I'll update this here in a few weeks. Um, you know, the uh, camp starting the end of September, like the 29th, 30th, whatever. So in a few weeks, I'll update this, you know, when all the all the guys are where they should be. Probably early September is when I'll do this, because I figured that's when these rosters will pretty much be set. So I basically have, in the Western Conference, I basically have the Lakers first. I've got Utah second. The reason I put Utah second was, uh, you know, Golden State, I think, Golden State's going to be third. And the reason I have Utah over Golden State is I think Utah will get more healthy games out of all their players. I think Utah's done pretty good. You know, they just signed Whiteside um, to, you know, a contract. And I, I, I think he's a big help when you are, you know, when Gobert's coming out. You can bring in Whiteside, and you're you can play the same offense along with a guy who can protect the rim and stuff like that. I think Utah's Utah tends to be healthier and have you know last last year in the regular season they finished with the best record. The only reason I don't think they finished with the best record is because I think the Lakers, like I said, put together a super team. Even if guys miss games, they're gonna have guys to help. So you know, make up for that. I hate super teams. I'll be glad when LeBron retires and Durant retires. All this super team garbage can go. It would it'll just be so much better. So anyhow, I think Utah finishes second. I think Golden State finishes third. To me, Golden State's done a really good job. Um, they're gonna get Clay Thompson. I think having Clay Thompson is a big deal. I think having Clay Thompson's basically like signing a top 20 player in the league and all of a sudden he's your second best player he can defend he can shoot and i know he's going to start the season slow he, he's coming off an achilles in, injury so his season will start slow i understand that but by by february i think he'll be on all cylinders and golden state is just going to golden state to me is a team that if all those guys are healthy with Otto Porter Jr., um, addition, you know, adding he's a Otto Porter Jr. is a very underrated addition, I think, because he's a fantastic shooter. Um, he's got size. Uh, you know, you can play Otto Porter and Draymond Green in the front court, and 
along with, you know, you can put Wiggins and Thompson and uh, Steph. And I just think you can beat anybody, you know, with that shooting. And I, for me, I, I just think Golden State will have a point where everybody will be healthy and they'll have something crazy like a 12, 15-game winning streak. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think they'll do that. I think they'll go on a long winning streak. And they'll make it to third. Um, the reason I have them at third is because I think there will be parts in the season where you've got missed games. You know, I do think Steph will miss for this for two weeks, or Steph will miss that for another two weeks, and that's where they they'll slow down. Um, the next team I have is Phoenix. Now, I, if Steph does miss too many games, I could see Phoenix moving to that third spot and Golden State in the fourth spot. I like what Phoenix did as far as bringing in JaVale McGee. Um, I know JaVale McGee isn't a big name, but when Aiton went to the bench and your center is Frank Kaminsky, you aren't doing anything. You're just not. And you're not beating anybody. And even when Dario Saric was the center, he still... You're not, I'm sorry, you're not beating anybody. You're just not. And it's it's one of those, you know, I think sneaky pickups that is going to make a huge difference because JaVale McGee knows his role. Um, he's won a couple championships. He knew his role on Golden State. He'll know his role in Phoenix. He'll be doing a lot of pick and rolls with uh, Chris Paul and Cam Payne. So I do think Phoenix finishes third or fourth. Obviously, Golden, you know, Steph's uh, health is going to determine whether they finish third or fourth. Um, so those are the to me are the top four teams. Um, when I get to the next couple, I went ahead and put Dallas fifth. If Jamal Murray were healthy, I would have Denver fifth. But I think right now I'm going to put the Mavs fifth because I think the way that they're going to run their offense, the basically the way the Houston Rockets ran their offense, you can win a lot of regular season games. That offense is built to win a lot of regular season games. So fourth place is where I put them, and... I think there shouldn't be any problem uh, for them getting there. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully there are still a couple more moves for them to make. I, I just don't see it. I'm sorry, I don't. They have to move on from Powell, and I don't think they want to. So I see them as the fifth best team. I do think they're better this year. They will be better this year. Uh, you know, but I still think they finished fifth, mostly because of the improvements of the Lakers and Golden State. And obviously Phoenix and Utah improved their team as well. Um, Denver's the one team that I think really didn't do much to improve. I believe they signed Jeff Green, but to me Jeff Green doesn't really move a needle. You know, they lost um, uh, JaVale McGee. You know, I, I Denver's a team that doesn't have a backup center. Um, you're basically relying on 
Michael Porter Jr. to improve to basically that's that's going to be what your season is based on at this point because Jamal Murray is going to be out probably for the whole year. So your hope is basically Michael Porter Jr. improves. And you just win a lot of games because you have Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. Um, Aaron Gordon is a guy that I wanted Dallas to get. I thought he could fit on Dallas's team. Um, it's pretty clear he doesn't fit on Denver's team. I don't know. I, that's a guy that I could see Denver moving at the uh, trade deadline, Aaron Gordon. And I think there will be some suitors for him. Um, and I think you know, I think that'll be interesting to see. I think he's one name that'll be because his ex- contract is not only friendly this year, but it's expiring. So I think Aaron Gordon's a guy that will be moved um, at the trade deadline, uh, especially if Denver's not doing as well as they wanted to be. So I put Denver at sixth. The next team I put was Portland. Now I. I don't have a lot of confidence in Portland. I'm just going to say that right now. Um, if Portland finished outside the top eight, it wouldn't shock me. The only reason I'm I'm giving them that spot is because I, I really I wasn't sure if Memphis. Memphis is the next team. I wasn't sure if Memphis was ready to go to that next level. Um, I do like the trade that Memphis made. Um, I know some people didn't like it because Valanciunas is a good player, but I also think Steven Adams is a good player. And I do think Eric Bledsoe gives you something in the regular season. Um, Eric Bledsoe's never had... Nobody's ever said anything about Eric Bledsoe's play during the regular season. Eric Bledsoe got his... basically got the reputation he did based on his lack of ability to contribute in the postseason. So getting to the playoffs for Memphis, I like. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think Memphis, Memphis might even finish seventh. Memphis might finish above Portland. I would not be shocked to see that. I think John Morant's going to be that much better. They, you know, Dylan Brooks. You're going to get full year of Jaron Jackson Jr. He's not going into the offseason injured. He's going into the offseason healthy. I. I might actually, since this is a rough sketch, I might actually flip those. I probably will put Memphis at 7 and Portland at 8. So I kind of just talked myself into it right now because I, I just don't have confidence in Portland. Portland didn't do anything to improve. They, they're just bringing back the same squad, and they're just hoping. And I, I, I just they're not going to have Carmelo. You know, Carmelo was an important player for them. Um, he was a, he can score the ball. He can still score the ball, and he was an important player to them. And I, I just don't see anything. I just didn't see Portland do anything to improve. So the next team I have, and it's going to fill out the top ten because, you know, they're doing the play-in. The next team I have are the Clippers. Um, the Clippers, I, I don't think they're done. I... I, I'm probably wrong about this because I, I haven't paid too much attention on certain players, but I haven't seen any where I've seen Reggie Jackson go anywhere. Um, he may have gone back to the Clippers. I don't know. He may have gone somewhere else. I don't remember. But the Clippers aren't going to have Kawhi, and they're as well as they did in the playoffs. 
without him, I'm, I, I just don't know how it's going to go in the regular season. I think, to me, if the Clippers get into that top eight, it's because Portland is just not that good. I think everybody, the only team that, I, like I said, I have questions about as far as the top eight is Portland. So if the Clippers are going to get in that top eight, I think Portland's the odd man out. And Portland is obviously going to be, you know, I feel like Portland's going to be part of that play-in tournament regardless. So, um, and the last team, this was a tough one. Um, last year, San Antonio was that team. Um, you know, with DeRozan gone, I, I just, and Rudy Gay is gone as well. Um I think he went to the Jazz, I want to say. And if he did, that's another reason why I have uh, Utah there. Because, I, like I said, I like what Utah did. But I, San Antonio's not there anymore. I've got I, – I was trying to pick between Sacramento and New Orleans. So New Orleans, I don't think – I. I, to me, I, to me, their their big free agent get was Devonte Graham. He's a good player. He's okay, I guess. I I think that Portland or I think New Orleans is going to make some sort of trade at in at the trade deadline because I don't think New Orleans is going to be as good as they want to be come you know start in the year. And I think Sacramento's done a pretty okay job. You know, they kept Rashawn Holmes. They, they're they going to have Halliburton, and they're going to have Fox. Um, I do like the draft pick of uh, Davion Mitchell. I can see a three-guard lineup being played and being successful. So, you know, I am interested to see how that goes. Um, and I put the Kings there at number 10 uh, but I don't see them getting past that first game of the playing tournament um, another you know it's funny now that I was sitting here thinking Bielitsa is another guy Golden State got that's what I, I think he's a, a good contributor to them so but anyhow I have the Kings number 10 and the Kings made me think of him because I was trying to you know, think on the top of my head real quick who was on the roster. And I remember they had him last year and they traded him at the trade deadline. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Marvin Bagley. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. But he did not play a lot last year, so that really didn't matter. Um, like I said, I'm curious. To see, I, I think the Kings might be there. Uh, that 10th team is going to be tough. Um, I... We'll have to see how it goes. You know, it could be, in all honesty, Minnesota could, something could happen with Minnesota. They could, you know, towards the end of the year last year, Minnesota was playing really well, believe it or not. And maybe Minnesota's that team that gets, you know, gets that 10th spot. Um, we'll have to see. I, I There's still moves to be made. From what I understand, Minnesota's interested in Lowry marketing. I think that's an improvement. I like Anthony Edwards. I thought he played well last year. Um, you know, they've still got Carl Anthony Towns, and, you know, I know people aren't high on D'Angelo Russell, and that's fine. But, you know, 
we'll see. Um, I'm curious to uh, maybe Minnesota. Maybe I'll talk myself into putting Minnesota there by the time I, you know, by the time everything settles. So in the Eastern Conference, obviously first is the super team that is Brooklyn. You know, they've they added Patty Mills, which was a good get for them, I think. And as long as everybody's healthy, you know, everybody's getting the offseason to get healthy. And I just think Brooklyn's going to start the year off strong. And you're going to see them probably win 23 of their first 25 games. That's just what I think. Um, you know, with the with the schedule going back to normal, you're going to have more days in between games. You're not condensing anything. Um, one of the things, you know, sometimes you might have three or four days in between, in between a game. So I think that only helps Brooklyn. The second team is Bucks. I think Milwaukee's going to finish second in the East. Um, they'll probably be in the Eastern Conference Finals against Brooklyn. Uh, so that's kind of no surprise. Now, the next team... I put on here, and I'm not sold on them quite yet, is Philadelphia. To me, Philadelphia could be one of those teams that maybe drops a spot or two. Um, they've not done anything in the offseason. Ben Simmons is probably going to be on their team next year. They got a lot of the same guys, and, you know, in all fairness to them, they did finish first or something, you know, with the best record. So, you know, that does mean something. Um, you know, they're, they're still good enough to, you know, kind of finish third. But if I were going to put anybody above them, it would be the Hawks because I have the Hawks at fourth. Um, to me, the Hawks just needed to basically bring back their guys. I thought they had a good team. They were just a young team. You know, getting a, a healthy DeAndre Hunter and even a healthy Cam Reddish. Now, there were rumors of them shopping Cam Reddish. I don't know if that's real or if they will. Maybe at the trade deadline. Who knows? But I I think if anybody's going to finish ahead of Philadelphia, it'll be the Hawks. Um, so I have the Hawks fourth. Now, fifth, I've got the Bulls. I know some people might think they're probably a bit higher with the additions that they have made, and maybe they are. But I didn't quite want to put them up there until I kind of see it. Um, you know, other than the Lakers, to me the Bulls are the biggest... Uh, they have the biggest change in their team. You know, adding starters like DeRozan and Alonzo Ball... And then, obviously, your Vooch is going to be back you know, with them. He didn't spend a full year with them last year. They got him at the trade deadline. So you've got a lot of new pieces you've got to put together. But, I, you know, obviously the Lakers are the other team that have significant change. But your core of, you know, LeBron and Davis are there. And, you know, their experience to me trumps, you know, anything that, any kind of question you might have. I mean, even Westbrook, you know, their experience questions any kind of 
they're experienced trumps any kind of question you might have on you know how the fit is. I, I believe the fit for Chicago will be fine. I just think it's something they're going to take a, a month or two to figure out. I, I think. I think I don't think you can just take guys and throw them out there and expect to win. We obviously saw that with Team USA. You know, they lost the first two exhibitions to like Nigeria and Australia, and then they lost to France because it, it takes some time to kind of put to head together some, you know, cohesion. You know, I think even the, um, I think even the Miami Heat, their first year, they at, when they put them together, they were. Um, I believe they started 16 and 16. I, I'm not 100% on that, but I believe it was something like that. And then obviously they went on a huge, you know, run and they finished top and went to the finals. But, you know, with Chicago, I think you're going to take a month or two to find, you know, where guys fit in and what you want from each of your players. And um, so that's why I have the Bulls at the fifth spot. Next spot I have is Heat. The Heat. Um, I know they got Kyle Lowry and they're bringing back Oladipo, but I, I, you know, I've said it before in my pods lately about Lowry. I, I just don't think he's the guy that he used to be, and I do think he will help the Heat, but I don't think it's going to be that significant of a jump. I, I think he's just getting older. He's declining, and. For me, to me, Jimmy Butler's got to be the ball handler if he wants to be successful. So, you know, I do think the Heat are going to be there at the the sixth spot. Um, I think that's around where they finished last year. Uh, maybe they finished seventh. I can't remember, but I think they did finish seventh. But I, I think they finished in that sixth spot. You know. I put the obviously I put the Hawks in front of them because they finished in front of them last year, and this year they're gonna have a full year for Nate McMillan, and then obviously the Bulls because obviously adding DeRozan and Lonzo Ball, to you know a talented player like Zach Levine, he doesn't have all the pressure on him anymore. I think Ball can handle the ball, <laughs> and uh, you know DeRozan too. DeRozan's a fantastic scorer. I obviously wanted him on Dallas, and that just didn't happen. So. I put the Heat behind the Bulls. Um, after the Heat, I put the Knicks. The Knicks really, now they just recently added Kimball Walker, but Kimball Walker's kind of had a disastrous um, few years. Uh, they're bringing back a lot of the same guys, you know, like Derrick Rose and um, Nerlens Noel. And it's a lot of the same team. So, I think they will be probably as good or better than they were last year. The problem is, is I think the teams in front of them are better too. You know, obviously, again, the Hawks had the same record as the Knicks last year, as I recall. They finished with the same record. But the Hawks are going to have a full year of Nate McMillan. So, I put that over the Knicks. Um, the Bulls obviously improved their team tenfold, you know, and the Heat, I do think, got better with, you know, Lowry, and if Oladipo can be healthy, he's going to give you something, so he's he's playing for the next year, you know, he's been hurt, he's, I think, believe he signed a one-year minimum deal, 
to kind of a prove-it type season, and I, I think you're going to see that, and that's going to be beneficial for the Heat. So I put the Knicks behind them. And finally, the eighth spot, I put the Celtics. The Celtics haven't really done anything. They they brought in Al Horford um, for Kimball Walker. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what how good the Celtics are going to be. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, if the Celtics finish past eighth, I would not be shocked. Now the ninth team I put was the Pacers. I, I like the Pacers. They're going to get a full year of Karius LeVert. You know, he once he was traded, you know, he had that kidney thing and he missed a lot. So I'm interested to see Brogdon, LeVert, and Sabonis. And if Miles Turner stays, if he's not traded, you know, that's another thing. Like I want to see if Miles Turner is traded and who he's traded to. That might change, you know, some things. But, you know, I like, I like Indiana's team. And I think they finish, you know, obviously they've got an upgraded coach. You know, what, you can say what you want about Carlisle. I, you know, I've been clear that I didn't think he was the right coach for our team. And, and the fact is, is you know, players, players can have bad years, right? A, a player can have a bad year. And sometimes you, you just say, oh, he had a bad year. You know, but I think coaches can have bad years too. And Carlisle, to me, had a really bad year last year. And if he can get back to being the coach he was two years ago, because I thought two years ago the Mavs were fantastic. And, you know, if he can get back to being the coach he was, I think Indiana's got a chance to make that top eight. Because, like I said, I don't think Boston's done anything to, you know, merit a better ranking, you know. So the last team I had for number 10 was the Wizards. Um, like I was saying you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Bill, they're, um, if that is truly what happens, if, if it is Dinwiddie and it is Bradley Bill along with Kuzma, and, you know, you're going to have Rui and you've added Harrell and you're going to have kind of Bertans, I, I honestly think you got a new coach. and I, I kind of think that's a pretty good team. It sounds kind of funny, but that's another team that, if they somehow finished eighth over the Celtics and the Pacers, that would not shock me. Um, I kind of think of the Celtics and the Pacers and the Wizards in kind of the same boat. You know, to me, you can mix those teams up any way you want them. Um, I don't think, uh, well, you know, honestly, I could see Charlotte beating out one of those teams, but to me, Charlotte's still a young team who's still. Trying to figure it out. Gordon Hayward's going to have to be healthy. Um, Toronto, I don't think, is going to be very good. And everybody else, like the Magic's rebuilding, Cleveland's rebuilding, Detroit's rebuilding. I just don't see those teams. So Charlotte, to me, is the only team that could sneak their way in this top ten that I just you know put together. And obviously, if something happens with Bill or Spencer Dinwiddie, I might actually take Wizards out and put in Charlotte Hornets. So... You know, that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't want this to be permanent, because there are still moves to be made. Um, so, we'll see. Um, we'll see how that goes over the next month and a half. You know, there's there's still a lot of free agents that haven't been signed out there. So, and they're, they're good players, too. So, I'm, I'm interested to see 
where they go and you know what happens. So I'm gonna keep my list. I have I wrote it down here, and uh, I'm gonna keep it here for um, for a few weeks from now when I do my you know preseason type predictions. Um, another thing I'm gonna do coming up this month actually, and I've I've already kind of put it together. Is you know back in uh, this year is the NBA's 75th anniversary. So they're going to do what they did at their 50th anniversary. And when I found out they did it at their 25th anniversary, they put together these, you know, 25 best players, and then they did the 50 best players. Well, now they're going to do the 75 best players. Well, I took the list they made and their 50 best. I'm not going to do a 75. I'm going to stick with the 50. Um, so I took the list they made of their 50 best players, and I wrote them all down. And then I added, I updated it. And a little preview, I added 10 names on there. And so 10 names have to come off. Now, if, you, if you're if you bored one day and you want to look up the players' names that they put on there, um, you know, it's on like Wikipedia or whatever, you can see the top 50 list. Um, and like I said, I'm going to take 10 names off of that, and I've added 10 names. And so I'll spend a whole pod doing that here pretty soon. Um Within the next week or two, obviously, one, if, as long as free, see, pre, uh, free agency and the Olympics are going on, I'll concentrate more on that. And then once those are over, you know, obviously I might make a few comments about the Mavs Summer League that starts on Monday the 9th. It's their first game. I'll make a comment about that. Or, but uh, after that, I'll, stick, I'll go to that uh, top 50, and then we'll, you know, just kind of go from there, and we'll have – you know, a couple weeks of maybe it might slow down a bit and the topics might be a little odd, but uh, that's where we'll go. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and end it right there. And uh, if you would like, you could follow me on Twitter at the Mavs Outsider. And if you could, please rate and review me on wherever it is you get your podcasts. But uh, until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>